Greetings, traveller, and welcome to the One Pound Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne, and this is episode eight. If you're not sure what this is, I've been to my local DVD trading store, charity shops, places like that, and I've picked up for a pound or less, basically to watch a film so you don't have to. Those ones you see on the bottom that you think, eh, I'm not bothered about that one. I'm watching them ones. That's the ones. So uh, anyway, on episode eight, as I said, we will be talking about Bunny and the Bull. And the we, I aforementioned, is my friend Neil, who is a podcaster from the You Haven't Heard This Music podcast. Hello, Neil. Hello, Wayne. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, Good, good. Like I said, we are on episode eight. We are watching Bunny and the Bull. For some time now, Stephen Turnbull has been a man of routine. Every day he showers for 27 minutes, brushes for four, gargles for eight, and flosses for seven. He then files the floss, stacks his urine, and notes its pH. Next, he washes everything that has so far touched his body, completes a 200-page book of bumper crosswords, and watches eight episodes of Ray Mears' Extreme Survival on videotape. Remember, you should always carry a parachute. Then it's time for lunch. Every day, Stephen eats the same meal, a freeze-dried vegetarian lasagna hermetically sealed for maximum life expectancy. So, Bunny and the Bullfront 2009, Certificate 15, directed by Paul King. It stars Edward Hogg, Simon Farnaby, Julian Barrett, Noel Fielding and Veronica Eshegui. I hope that's correct. If it's not, I do apologise. It has an IMDb score of 6.7 out of 10 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 67%. I'm going to read you the synopsis now. This is word for word off the back of the DVD. Bunny and the Bull follows Stephen, Edward Hogg and Bunny, Simon Farnaby, as they leave their dull routine of life in England behind and embark on an extraordinary odyssey where imagination is the only limit. Journeying from the industrial wastelands of Silesia to the bull fields of Andalusia, their adventure brings them into contact with a Polish dog farmer, Julian Barrett, mustachioed Matador, Noel Fielding, and a hot-tempered crab waitress, Veronica Eshegui, who soon tests how far their friendship really goes. The critical response to this, so Ali Gray from the Shiznit website says, Bunny and the Bull is a surrealist dream, fleeting and fanciful. It's easy to admire. There's more of a hint of Gondry in its whimsical dreamscapes, but this is a visual trip first and foremost. Screen Daily, who is Finonula Halligan. I don't know if that's right, Neil. Finonula. <laughs> It's probably Finian. Finian. Oh no. Well, sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. This is from Screen Daily, anyway. Uh, it's a rem- it's remarkable that Mighty Boosh director King has achieved what he has for under a million pound. However, Bunny's sub-withinal plot is dull at best. Its unfunny protagonist, buried under a, m- a mound of paper mache sets, that's a bit harsh. I feel. But we haven't seen the film yet, so I don't know. Oh, by the way, we haven't watched the film at this point. Director Paul King, famous for The Mighty Boosh, plus other quirky English comedies such as Little Britain and Come Fly With Me, uh, most notably helming uh, both the Paddington films, which I didn't know. You know that, Neil? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that, no. Yeah. So, Great yeah. films. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fine. If you haven't watched Paddington 1 and 2, what's wrong with you? Go and watch them now. Yeah, he graduated from... I think 2's from... actually slightly better. Yeah, both of them are fantastic. 2 as the edge. It's one of those rare occasions where the sequel is better than the original. He graduated from... Cambridge in 1999, where he met Richard Awardy, Matthew Holness, uh, who was 
Garth Marenghi, if you know who that is, and Alice Lowe. And this was his feature film debut. We'll go to Edward Hogg now, who plays Stephen in, in the film. He has 47 actor credits, including Godfrey in Taboo. And the only other really notable one I could find was he plays the snorkeler in a Jodie Whittaker film, which is called Adult Life Skills, which is another fantastic little lo-fi British comedy, if you haven't seen that. It's a fantastic film. Definitely sick. I think that's on Netflix, people, so seek that one out, Adult Life Skills. That's all I could really find out about Edward Hogg, to be honest. Simon Farnaby, uh, he has 48 act- actor credits, including Your Highness, Bill, and Mindhorn. I know Bill's fantastic, I know Mindhorn's fantastic. Have you seen Your Highness, Neil? Uh, I have, I don't think I liked it. Oh, I see. Um... Was that the fantasy one? Yeah, with uh, James Franco and... Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I think, yeah, I had, I had very high expectations from it because I saw a trailer that looked mm. brilliant and I think it didn't live up to them. There was one hilariously funny line in it where there, I think there's some kind of sorcerer, from what I remember, who's like trying to take over the land and he's like, oh, you know, whoa, 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 God, I'm, I'm, I'm this evil guy. Why do, um, well, why do I have women falling at my feet? Oh, yes, it's because I'm incredibly wealthy and I can do magic. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Uh, back to Simon Farnaby. Obviously, he's one of the members of the Horrible History troupe, um, which has spawned several TV shows. Obviously, Horrible History is Yonderland, which is on Sky One, which is fantastic. If you haven't seen that, that's brilliant. And BBC's... I never got into that. I tried. Oh, I love Yonderland. And Ghosts. If you haven't seen Ghosts, people... Ghosts was one of my favourite television programmes of 2020 and 2019. It is absolutely hilarious and I love it to pieces. So definitely go check out Ghosts on BBC. He's also famous that he presented the uh, King in a Car Park uh, documentary on Channel 4, which was obviously about uh, them finding Richard the body, uh, Richard the Third's body in a car park in Leicester, which was really good. And uh, that's sort of the first time I really paid attention to him, but that's back in 2013. And last bit of trivia on Simon uh, Farnaby. He's also an X-Wing pilot in Rogue One in Star Wars Rogue One he plays Blue 5 I remember that bit yeah I remember that bit right so for those of you who are new to the podcast we haven't watched the film at this point we will break for an intermission in a moment so we can go and watch the film so at this point uh, after all the information I've just given us and anything else we've gleaned along the way we're going to talk about our expectation for the film. So what are you expecting from the film, Neil? Okay, well, my initial thought, uh, back, backtrack a couple of weeks, uh, Wayne kind of mentioned this film to me, said we're going to watch it for a podcast, and sent me a, a trailer to it. So I watched the trailer, and the first thing that pops up is Richard Iowardi. Uh, I absolutely love Richard Iowardi. I think if, if there's ever a man that I could possibly turn gay for, it's Richard Iowardi, because I just think we'd get <laughs> each other on, an in, on such an intellectual level. And, you know, and to be honest, I wouldn't even have to worry about the carnality of the relationship because I think we'd both be too too socially awkward to actually have sex so I, I, I think that could work <laughs> uh, Richard Aoward is just awesome he's just just epitomizes me really um, so, so so straight away I'm buzzing it's, I, I want to watch his film it's got Richard Aoward and the trailer looked weird so I was interested then a couple of days ago Wayne dropped the um, the DVD off to me I read the back of the DVD box and I now realise it's the uh, full Mighty, Mighty Boosh team Paul King Richard Aoward Noel Fielding Julian Barrett and uh, I quickly clocked that probably the Mighty Boosh people are going to get have small cameos but that's fine from the synopsis it looks like a bit of a cross between the mighty boosh and the grand budapest hotel so it can't be bad i'm really looking forward to it if i'm being honest my expectation is uh i mean so it's the, the obviously the mighty boosh calibers in there so you're gonna get some really for me it's gonna be like a really weird surreal unique mind-bending film and knowing 
you know, after reading all this and, and doing the research, knowing that Paul King directed Paddington, it suggests to me that this will have quite a big heart with a touch of sentimentality because that's what that's what Paddington's flying all over is is, is that big heart. And yeah, see, I, I didn't realise until you mentioned that he'd, mm. he'd done Paddington. So mm. uh, yeah, from from like just the look of the box and and you know the the back of the box, I'm looking for like it feels like it's going to be a seventy like TV style looking sets and things like that, like Doctor Who and Blake Seven. I'm expecting a sort of road movie between two friends and they sort of go off and find themselves as it were and you know and, and reconnect on a different level that's that's my expectation at this moment in time anyway. I'm expecting a lot of madcap capers I think that's where I get the Grand <laughs> Budapest Hotel thing from it's like you know I think you know the description of the characters when it's a Polish dog farmer <laughs> played by Julian Barrett I'm looking forward to that one so so yeah um, if, we've, if we're all spent on our expectation we're now going to break and uh, have an intermission and we're going to go watch a film on the CBS Saturday Night Movie. Right, so we're back. We've we've both watched the film now. And before we go any further, just a massive, massive shout out. Spoilers ahead. We will be spoiling the whole film. So we, if you have intention to watch this film, stop. I to ask you about that at the start. So we were allowed to go full, full on spoilers. Always. Yes, yes. Massive, massive spoilers from here on in. We will be spoiling the whole plot from start to finish. So if you have intention to watch this film, pause the podcast now, go and watch the film, come back and talk along with us. Have a listen and see if you agree. And see if, if you, you don't agree, agree with us. Exactly. Yeah. Neil, 20 word initial reaction straight off the bat. Now you've watched the film. Oh, 20 words. Um, or less. Uh, or less. Um, very interesting. Um, very interesting. I think that, uh, <laughs> But did. It's really difficult. Um, <laughs> that's a, yeah, I'll just leave it with very interesting. It, it, it is exactly what I expected and isn't at the same time. I'll, I'll explain later. Yes, as we go through. So for me, it's far more surreal than I was expecting, and the story is not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, it's, I'd agree with that. I'd agree. The story is different to what I expected. The surreality yeah. of it. It yeah. was every bit as surreal as I expected, but in a yeah. different way. Yeah, the synopsis is very misleading, and what I, I think I think maybe the trailer was a little. I don't I don't think I watched the trailer, but from what you know from the synopsis and the things I've read, this is not the film I was the, expecting. But what, what, say, there was a very dark undercurrent to it. Yes, that I wasn't there really is. Expecting. There is. So we're going to break down the film right from the start to the to the finish of the film. So we start uh, with a very nice introduction. It's very sort of Wes Anderson. Um, it's a camera going through like a spy um, a spy hole and goes into a house where everything's very neat and tidy. And there's a brilliant way it starts with all the names of the cast and crew turned up on objects like on the spines of books and on like door handles and door signs and things like that. And I thought that was really, really well done and really interesting, and it really sucked me into the film from the start. From then, we meet Stephen Turnbull uh, via a narrated voice, and he talks us through his day. Basically, he's, he's got this regimented OCD regime where he logs uh, all his dental floss, he checks the pH level of his wee, it's the same lunch every day, and just so happens this day... The lasagna he takes out, which is his lunch, is ruined, and it ruins his entire day and messes him up completely. So that's like the first five minutes of the film, and it's got this 
very suppose we're in because he's got he's got these perfectly stacked boxes of lasagna in in his cupboard and uh, some mice have got into the cupboard and they've basically rendered them that's useless. it yeah so 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 we move from there and it's so like he tries to leave the house to go and get food we find out he's an agoraphobic he can't he can't leave the house you know and uh, there's a moment i don't know if you got this as well now when he puts his hand on the door and he has like a flashback of like running through a field and Mm-hmm. That to me, it was very American Werewolf in London. That scene, it was a, sort of a flashback to that. It's like he puts his hand on the door handle and it flashes back to like a dead of night running through this field. Didn't get that, but I think I was distracted by how good that scene was. Yeah, it is, it, it is really well done. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, you know, God, I've never really been agoraphobic. I have struggled with mild anxiety in, uh, in the past, not on the level that some people have. So, you know, I'm not trying to compare myself to, to that. But, it, you know, it, it really sort of captured, I think, what it must what what it must be like to be in that situation. Yeah, the camera mass, work yeah. and everything. He put he put he put you in that guy's mind. I thought yeah. that was absolutely brilliant. It's very close. He, you know, as he goes towards it, yeah. the door, and mm. you see, uh, yeah, you see him look through the spy hole in the door, and he's got all his gear on, and he's gearing himself up, and you see him sweating, and yeah. he's like, you know, he's sort of. Uh, it's an effort to touch the door yeah. handle because. It's, it's like every every motion is you know takes him that step closer to having yeah. to leave the house. Everything is very claustrophobic at, at the start of this film. In yes, that, in that in that flat that he lives, everything's claustrophobic. Everything's piled up. There is like very little walkways, you know, and everything is is very like I say regimented. So so then we move on from there, and he decides to order his lunch from the seafood restaurant called Captain Crabs. As he eats. Um, the food we we go into Stephen Turnbull. That's that's the character's name. We go into his memory with this surreal animation of Captain Crab's restaurant. Um, oh, we learn he's a vegetarian at that point. I think that kind of. Oh right, okay, yeah. Um, so so we meet. Uh, we we go to this crab restaurant. Now the funny thing is here. I made a note of. It reminds me of the old seventies animation of Paddington Bear, which obviously then ties back into Paul King animating the Paddington yeah. Bear films. So yeah, so he goes to this restaurant in his mind, and this is the first time we meet Bunny, and Bunny's is complete. And this opposite. is a flashback to a year yeah. ago. Did, did you say yes? That? Yeah, well, it's a flashback to a year ago, yeah. So, Bunny and Stephen Turnbull are having a chat, and it turns out that Stephen uh, is going to go and confess his love to this girl before he gets friend-zoned. So he goes and confesses his love, and Bunny says to him, do it before you get friend-zoned. But he gets friend-zoned anyway by this girl called Melanie. Um, I've got to bring up at this point uh, Bunny's hair, which is this fantastic mop of blonde curls that is just messy and wayward and, and just epitomises his character, I think. And his donkey jacket, which I just absolutely adored. That is, you know, one on one about the um, the checkered jacket he was wearing, the old like workman's yeah. jacket. Oh, I love that so much. It was just where I grew up in the eighties. They were just the fashion everywhere. Those those uh, those donkey jackets. They're they're brilliant. We find that Bunny is a teller of very tall tales. I don't know about you, but for him in the office, like you can't understand how these pair of friends because they're sort of like the yeah. Complete opposites of each other. Bunny takes Stephen to a um, a bookies. They place a bet on an outsider, and miraculously, the, the horse wins. Bunny talks Stephen into going on to this European adventure. Now he's been jilted. It's like, come on, let's let's go and let's go and sow some adventure. There's a great scene here where they go on the train, and Stephen turns up with like everything and everything in the kitchen sink, isn't it? You know, he's got the the adventure backpack on and everything, and then you turn to Bunny. So have you are you packed? It's just like a you know, a corner shop can of beer in a in a an old blue and white plastic bag. And that screams everything about those two characters. And speaking of beer, you then have that scene where they the main character uh, what's his name? 
Stephen Turnbull. He, he will only drink this one cocktail yeah. that he has to meticulously make. Uh, and he's bought all the, all the ingredients with him, basically, and uh, sets it all up on the train. And um, Bunny just, just looks at him and says, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be best before you've even, uh, before you've even made that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he kind, of, he kind of cuts to the scene of him doing everything to make this cocktail. And it's really convoluted and uh, eventually produces it. And Bunny's just like there with about six empty... <laughs> Empty cans of lager strewn yeah. all over the table, and then grabs his cocktail and downs it. Totally, just downs it. Absolutely. After after this scene on the train, on the it must be the Eurostar they're on. They hit yeah. Europe and they go to the most obscure museums you could ever possibly find, including the German history of cookbooks and the Polish Shoe Museum. Now, this is where Richard Ayoade turns up with absolutely oh, great hair. It's a brief cameo, as I was expecting, but it is absolutely brilliant. It is. Here's a clip. What is a shoe? Well, it's a hot topic, and no doubt that debate will rage on. But I find it's best to take things one step at a time. <sighs> cobblers, mind my language, but we are in the cobbler's workshop, what I like to call the heart and soul of the shoe museum. All kinds of shoe are made here. How many different types can you name? Let's kick off with a couple clogs moccasins brogues deck shoes loafers Bunny is bored rightly so so would I be Bunny drags Stephen to um, the Polish version of the Captain Crab restaurant which is the worst seafood restaurant I think I'd ever see and they try to order very um, different to the UK one Oh, yeah. They, they try to order and they have the uh, world's worst waitress in Eloisa uh, have a listen there you Options. Hmm? No bubble, I'm living. I spent two months working in your shitty restaurant where the fish comes from a canal and the chef pieces and the vegetarian option. And then you cheat on me? Fuck you, you both fucking stumpy dick monkey! At this point in the world's worst uh, seafood restaurant, Bunny starts an illegal ca- crab race, which was just fucking brilliant. All this is still, by the way, all this is still taking place in animation and in sort of papier-mâché um, sets and... It's not so much animation, yeah. yeah it's, it's just like all the sets, uh, yeah. like, say, papier-mâché, the cardboard cutouts. Uh, it's a- almost like they filmed it all in, in one room with different... Yeah, we had, we had a spate of this sort of sets in like the early set, late late seventies and early eighties in kids TV. There was a lot of this. There was a lot of you know, if you're from that era, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, like um, you had like kids dramas where the sets were made of paper mache and things and and old newspapers. And and then what they do in this is they use things that are in Stephen Turnbull's flat. And that sort of turns up in his memory. They they double as other things. There's a, a moment where a a toilet becomes a um, handrail on a train and thing you know they, they double up as other things it's, it's very well put together it's very well it's very cleverly done that is anyway so back to this crab race um uh so while bunny's having this illegal crab race he tells Sorry, Stephen, just stop there wayne i think it's starting to emerge here that uh, bunny's got a bit of a love for gambling yes he is a massive love for gambling obviously they're, they're there because of the the um the race uh the the, the um well, i think this is the point where yeah. it clicked with me it was yeah. uh yeah he's got a bit of a gambling addiction yes he has uh, he's a he's a man of many voices is bunny so um um, while the crab race is going on, Bunny, Bunny tells Stephen to go and talk to Eloisa, who he's got a bit of a thing for. So he goes outside and uh, where Eloisa is, and he talks to her very aggressively. And she says she's going back to, to Spain. Got to say at this point, 
Stephen Turnbull's um, knitwear throughout this film is absolutely off the chart. I want, I want all of his jumpers. They are absolutely incredible, <laughs> every single one of them. And then uh, we uh, we go back inside. Stephen tells Bunny that she's leaving for for Spain, and for some apparent reason, Bunny enters an eating competition to win a car so they could drive the waitress back he's to just Spain. A load of crabs. <laughs> yeah, he, they eat a load of crabs. Yeah, uh, like like you said, Neil, he's, he's beginning to emerge very quickly that Bunny's got some sort of. Does he end addiction. up uh, winning winning the car? The bar the the, the restaurant and basically that's it. So, the so, restaurant out yeah. his whole, whole livelihood the whole conceit is there he goes to this he, he enters this crab uh, crab eating competition to win the car so he can take so they can take Eloisa back to Spain because Stephen thinks he might have a chance to uh, sleep with Eloisa on the way so Bunny, Bunny wins the competition and he wins the Captain Crabmobile which is this little red car it's probably a Fiat Uno or something like that with a bloody massive plastic crab on the top of it and they head off to go and pick up Eloisa they go pick up the waitress and we get these words of advice from Bunny to Stephen dude relax talk to him you'll be fine okay just don't go into another long rant about the demise of the semicolon right, right? girls don't like grammar chat you know that now oh and uh Try and keep your lips moist. You have a tendency to get very dry around the mouth area. Right. Mm-hmm. And try not to do that thing you do when you're nervous when you clear your throat all the time. What do you mean? You know. <coughs> Hello, my name's Stephen. <coughs> Don't do that. I'm afraid you do do that, dude. At this point, we head back to the present day and we find... Um, Stephen is still having uh, it looks like some sort of breakdown and now he's imagining Bunny not only like in a past imagination but he's there in the flat with him and he's wearing the same pyjamas and robe as um, as Stephen is so I think this is guilt at this point you know there's there's something that's, that's not there but he's remembering all these things he's, he's dredging up the past I feel they have a very strange relationship these people and I've mentioned it before they would not be friends you know uh, uh, but it's one of them where they're so polar opposite that I don't think anybody else could be friends with them and that's probably why they've gravitated to each other I think we've all got a friend like that or we know somebody who who is a bit like that where you think i have no idea why these pair of friends because they're polar opposites but they just seem to work you know and and that for me was one of the crooks of this film being i'm not going to go into that but one of the crooks of this film that is right there that this strange relationship works because you Mm. see it in everyday life it feels real that's what i put it it feels real so we go back to memory lane then and they're driving through these brilliant cardboard landscapes and um (laughs) Eloisa has lost is uh, has lost her um, Saint Christopher necklace, and Stephen absolutely loses his shit over this. Do you remember this, Neil, in the car? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they have a whole conversation about they've got to spit on cats now to to um, make sure their luck doesn't turn bad. It's, yeah, it's, it's a good moment in the film. That you start writing about the superstition. And everything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So they end up in Switzerland and they end up at this hotel, which is uh, it's very it's more animation. It's this hotel at the top of a peak, and the car sort of went around around all these mountain roads to get to it. And uh, we go in and we meet the hotel owner and Mrs. Brown the bear, who is this you know stuffed bear in the uh, <laughs> in the um, in the foyer. After they after they checked in, Stephen goes to Eloise's room, uh, only to find the bunny's already there. Stephen awkwardly says, oh, I was just coming to see if she got any washing. And uh, Bunny strips off right in front of him. And uh, you get this. Um, I'm going to Johnny have you. What for? What for? Oh, right, yes. Yeah, I think me and Eloise are about to uh, get it together. Great, good. Yeah, well, I do, yes, as a matter of fact. Oh, great, cheers, buddy. Um... 
You haven't got any more, have you? Sure. Thanks, man. Hmm. I don't want to take the piss here, but, um... Why don't you just take the lot? Oh, yep. great. Oh, it's brilliant. Hmm. Um, what have you got all these for, dude? Oh, well, I just thought if you were bored, you might want to have a water fight. So we're at 45 minutes here, Neil. What was your thoughts on the film? So we're about halfway through. What's your thoughts on the film? It, it, it does have a very Wes Anderson feel to it. I mentioned Grand, Grand Budapest Hotel earlier. It's nothing like that, but it, it's got a very Wes Anderson feel. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I, I, said, I said there's elements of With Nail and I in it as well, which is another great film. Uh, I think it's sort of the um, the relationship between them. I think that that's very much what, what comes across in With Nail. You know, it's his un- unlikely friends. And I agree with what you say about how... Yeah, the, I didn't think about it being grounded in reality until you mentioned it, but yeah, that kind of makes it very palatable. Hmm. So far, I'm really enjoying it. I've got to be honest. It's uh... So for me, it's, it's brilliantly stylized, and it's not what I was expecting at all. I was expecting Bunny to show up at Stephen's flat and then to recreate the European journey and yeah. sort of like something's happened to Stephen and Bunny's trying to bring him out of his shell. This is a look back at that time from a year ago and it's far more melancholic even though it's it's really funny and it's surrealist comedy, it's very melancholic. But yeah, and I think I'm kind of feeling at this point. I, I don't think I. I, di- I, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to the twist. We said, you know, kind of, we, we we're not. Um, this is completely um, spoiler territory. But uh, uh, I don't think I had clocked what the tw- what what twist was at this point. But I think I was starting to get there. Mm. I think I'd, I'd got to the point where it seems like something bad's happened to Bunny. I, I think I had sort of. At this point, the bunny in Stephen's flat was obviously a figment of his imagination. Yeah, absolutely. Or, so, or, or a sense of guilt over something that had happened. Exactly. So so the next day, after uh, Bunny and Eloisa have been uh, up all night shagging, they're snogging in the back of the crabmobile, and they tell Stephen to go faster, uh, because he's not driving the car faster. Uh, has, he, has he stolen the bear at this point? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, they've stolen the bear, so they've they've swapped the bear for the crab. And, they've got and, a, and Buddy <laughs> comes out of this brilliant line, well, everybody steals something from a hotel, don't they? <laughs> I should have put my hand like, You don't want really to nick a towel or something. You don't, you don't <laughs> nick the six-foot stuffed bear in the yeah. foyer. So they've got, they've got a six-foot stuffed stuff bear stuck to the top of the car where the crab was now, and they're going down the mountain. Where the crab side. was, yeah. 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 And uh, Stephen crashes the car, and it's uh, they both, Bunny and Stephen, both say they can't hang around for the police because they've both been drinking, so they leave Eloisa to deal with the police, and they walk into town. Um, and With the bear. Yeah, with the bear, sorry, with the bear, yeah, and Eloisa will come and pick him up after all this, uh, after all this has blown over. This is where they meet Attila the Tramp, who is... Um, Julian Barrett's <laughs> character. He is a dog herder, who, a dog herder who lives under a bridge. He, he offers them milk from a dog. <laughs> uh, this this ends in a massive misunderstanding. You keep your hands off her. Oh, big man, huh? Big curly man. You gonna fight me for her? <laughs> I'll bet you for her. Bet. Yeah, you know, you got any uh, playing cards, dice, a couple of conkers? I don't play these games. I am man, real man. All right, then. See the island over there? I bet I can swim to that island under the ice. It's in a massive misunderstanding where um, where uh, Julian Barrett's character, um, Attila, believes that Stephen wants to sleep with one of his dogs and they're having some sort of affair in front of him. He's also his wife. Oh, sorry, he's all... Yeah, so it's... 
it's look, it's mighty boost territory. I'm going to forget stuff because there's so much in there. <laughs> Bunny bets Attila that he can uh, swim to an island under the ice. Why? Why does he bet him now, Neil? I forgot why he bets him. Is it to, for because? Uh, it's, it's, it's to let them go, basically. Yeah. He's um, kicking off about the fact that... Because Stephen has, uh, has been lying next to um, the dog, <laughs> the dog who, yeah. is, who is uh, Julian Barrett's wife, uh, Attila the Tramp's wife. Um, and because it's cold and the dog's rubbing up against him, he accidentally ejaculates. Oh, God, I forgot about and, that. Uh, yeah. It's about yeah, honour yeah, then, so, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so Attila the Tramp, and he basically turns round and he agrees to the bet. And the deal is, if... Um, I, don't, I, can't, I can't remember now what it's um, it's it's all to it's all to the fact basically. I think he even threatens to kill them all. Um, it does, yeah, yeah. But the uh, if they lose the bet, he gets to take their wife, which you could think the is bear. the bear. Yeah. So so Bunny bets him he can swim to an island under the ice, which is obviously a paper mache ice, and you know breaking the ice is paper mache. And he, he swims underneath the ice, and he nearly dies. And Stephen has to jump in and save him. Bunny says at this point he's not going to bet anymore. He says in fact when they get to Spain, he's going to fight a bull. And when we after this, this was the point where I figured out where it was yeah, going. Yeah. We, we jump back to the real world at this point, um, and there's a scene with a cuckoo clock that reminds um, Stephen of the fairground, because uh, uh, Eloisa picks him up and they, they carry on towards Spain, and it reminds Stephen of this fairground, which is fantastic, this scene, with all the cogs and all the gears, and the, uh, they're riding the big wheel that is made out of um, yeah. a, a, clog, a, a, a clock gear. Oh, absolutely, you know, it's just brilliant. And it sort of goes into his memory as well. But at this point, Eloisa and Stephen get stuck on a big wheel and they share a moment we jump back to the real world again now so she gets a bit more frantic towards like sort of like about three quarters of the way through the film we're jumping from fantasy back into reality a lot more and um steven seems to be falling more into madness i thought this might be food poisoning from um, mr crab from the Mr. Crab restaurant, that's why he's having these. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, that you know what I mean because he's quite vivid dreams yeah. and and you know sort of fever dreams, isn't it? You know, and this this is obviously playing right, on his yeah. mind, yeah. And he's seen a lot more people from his trip. You know, he sees um he sees Attila in his in his in exactly the same as what he's wearing, and he sees the lady from um from the rest uh, from the hotel as well. She's doing the same. And I think the transitions. I'm going to bring this up now. The transitions between reality and fan- and fantasy become more fluid and fun and inventive as the film goes on it's like it finds yeah. its feet as it keeps going it's, it's really really cool they're really really good uh, we go back to fantasy land and or paper mache land and we find that Eloise we find they've all gone to Eloise's home and we meet her brother Javier who is Noel Fielding uh, who is a fallen matador Bunny asks Javier to teach him how to be a bullfighter which he tells him will take 10 years but he says he's only got 10 minutes and he's got a, a shopping tro- trolley with a pair of horns on the front, and that's how he's going to teach uh, Bunny how <laughs> to... Uh, it's brilliant. It teach Bunny how to be a, a matador. Bunny's about to fight the bull. Stephen admits to him that, he, that he's in love with Eloisa, and Bunny lets slip that he slept with Melanie. It's a whole... They have that sort of, you know, that moment of realisation that they're, you know, not good for each other, and not they've not been the best friends to each other all the way through. Bunny probably a, a lot more than Stephen, to be honest, and Stephen's just a bit of a... You know. I, she didn't pick up on that thing that uh, Bunny had slept with Melanie. Yeah, he just that lets it slip ever so uh, slightly. It so much worse. Yeah. So what comes after makes a bit more sense. Um, so Stephen goes off and he sleeps with Eloisa. When these pair have a fight, we find that um, Stephen, uh, sorry, that Bunny has stolen a um, famous matador suit from a glass case and um, he's wearing it because that's what he's going to wear to fight the bull the next day. We cut back to Stephen wakes up in Eloisa's bed and with a naked bunny inches from his face, 
and he says that he's lost the matador suit to gypsies and um, <coughs> Bunny wants to leave but Stephen's saying no I'm not leaving I'm going to stay so he gives Bunny some money and leaves him at the train so, so basically the implication is and it's like you said earlier about him basically being full of bullshit he's kind of he's done all this whole spiel about oh yeah I'm going to fight a bull and all that he steals the suit to do it and ten minutes later gets drunk and ends up losing it to some gypsies in the bet or gets, that's, get, that's gets exactly drunk it, yeah. and gets stolen yeah, yeah. they cheated you know, him apparently it's kind of like that, 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 is, that is who he is you know it's, it's kind of like he, he has all these grand plans that come to nothing so, so uh, Bunny takes sorry Stephen takes Bunny to the train station leaves him there and he says you're going to have to tell Louisa so um, he's going to go and tell Eloisa about the suit Bunny phones Eloisa and uh, he tells her about the suit before Stephen gets back. Stephen gets punched in the face uh, by Eloisa, and he um, he leaves and ends up back on the train with Bunny. After an argument on on the train, more brilliant stylization. I think it's, uh, this is what I was talking about earlier in the film. This uh, sort of toilets used as seats on the train and, and mm. sort of like they're holding the pipes of the um, the upright toilets and things as uh, handrails and, and things like that it's really really clever really well done after an argument on this train Bunny uh, that Buddy wouldn't be able to fight a bull anyway they uh, pull the emergency cord on, on the train and head off to fight a bull now the film swaps really 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 well it swaps between the the fantastical and the paper mache and the animatronics and, and the clockwork and real life, and it does it really quickly. Do you know which one? The, the, the scenes I'm talking about now, it sort of flashes yeah, between. Yeah. So it, it flashes between like real memory. The, and, the ball's yeah. kind of made of cocks yeah. and things, isn't it? Yeah, so so they find this bull, and Bunny goes off to, to fight this bull. And he does he does a really good job of being a matador and, and sort of dances around him. And and then they, they, they're fighting, he's fighting this bull at night. I mean, the, I don't know about you, but the clockwork bull in this moment is just absolutely beautiful. Mm. It's something you'd have on display. It's so, it's so lovely and so gorgeously ornate. Bunny... <laughs> fights the bull and he dances with the bull and he gets very knackered very quickly obviously he's a drunk and a, a, and a gambler so yeah he's not going to be the most physically fit uh, human being he turns his back on the bull and gets uh, the, the bull charges and gets him all you see is um, you see a distraught Stephen over uh, the dead body of, of Bunny uh, and then it goes back to reality you see a, you know an upset Stephen and he goes back home and he's talking to the ghost of Bunny on the settee and he says uh, he shouldn't he should have used his death as a sob story to get laid more I'm sorry what for? I should have stopped you you couldn't have anyway it was a pretty good way to go go by a bull I mean I had always hoped I'd be sucked out of an airlock or gunned down by some demented fan but um I'll take a bull it was a great bet you want to do something for me go get laid have you any idea of the mileage you can get out of this hi my name's Stephen <clears throat> my best friend just died I don't know if I'll ever love again Bim, bim, bim. Balls in, balls in, balls in. Fun time. <clears throat> After a heart to heart with the imaginary bunny, Stephen phones Eloisa and uh, he leaves to go uh, to go find her. And uh, so the last scene of the film is you see Bunny sort of staring at him through the flat as he pulls the door to. The end. So Neil. What's uh, what are your thoughts on this? Now we've got to the end of this. It was a lot darker than I expected, and I like that. 
<laughs> there was a lot more depth to it. There was, uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of mentioned as we we're talking through the synopsis, I figured out the twist a mile off. Um, but, you know, kind of, I, I, as soon as he's talking about fighting the bull, all of a sudden all the dots connected. Mm. He's talking to a dead bully in his, bull in his flat. Uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, a dead, uh, dead bunny in his flat. Um, not not a rabbit, the character <laughs> bunny. Um, just just making that clear. He's, he's having that conversation with Bunny, who he's clearly deceased. But um, the film's called Bunny and the Bull, uh, and he's now said he wants to fight a bull when he gets to. Um, yeah. You know, he's kind of like we, we've already clocked now that he's full of bravado. He's full of um, you know he he's a teller of tall tales. Uh, he's going to basically, oh, I thought at this point, he's going to put himself into a situation where he he goes along with it, oh, I'm going to fight this ball, and he's going to end up forcing himself into down a path that he can't back down from and end up accidentally fighting the ball. Um, it didn't quite play out like that. But I think, yeah, because of the way, he, I kind of got the, the, the basis of the twist at that point, but because of the way he plays out, and as you mentioned, that brilliant scene where you get the clockwork bull and everything, it didn't lessen its impact. No. The bit where the ball gores him was still shocking. He was still, you know, I knew, I knew this was going to happen. I could see this coming a mile off. It makes perfect sense, but he, he was still, you still like, you know, the, the moment when he turns around and the ball's coming up behind him, you, 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 you kind of shout at the screen, turn around, run away. Mm. You know? <laughs> it, it, it had that tension. It, do you think, right, This is. I, I thought this was a really... Because you don't really figure out that till the point where they go to Spain and he's going to go fight a bull. Because before that, I was running on the fact of it's Bunny and Stephen Turnbull. So I thought that was the Bunny and the Bull of the title. Uh, I didn't realise oh, that until... Yeah. So it's the a other, very the other thing mass I've red got. herring, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, other, the other thing I thought early on in the film is the, refer- the bull in the title was a reference to um, bullshit, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, Bunny yeah. and his, bunny, bunny yeah. and his tall tales. It could, yeah. could be anything, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for me, this is a story, it's about grief and regret and the way that it manifests yeah. itself, you know, and, and about the guilt of loss and your imagined part in it all. You know, we're, we're hearing this story or being told this story from a one-sided and this guy's an unreliable narrator. You know, when you've told a story to anybody, you're telling your side of it, so it's it's yeah. not a complete story. You know, it's the whole Rashomon effect. You know, you, you get seven people in in a room, they'll all tell a different version of what happened in, 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 this, in this action. So from that, I really like it. So everything you see is one-sided. You know, Stephen remembers Bunny as a bombastic risk-taker and himself as a knit-wearing semi-recluse. You know, together they are two sides of the same coin. You know, you've got this extrovert and this introvert. That That is, you know, together they make a sort of stable human being if you put them both in check. Um, the other element about their relationship as well, which, um, uh, you know, has got a really dark slant on it, is that, uh, I mean, particularly that scene when they, um, well, you know, when they have that big row in... Um, just before um, Stephen goes off and sleeps with uh, Eloisa, you know, and they uh, they have that big they have that big showdown mm. um, next to the Matador suit, and it kind of clicks that the character of Bunny is is an extreme narcissist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's you know this whole thing about how, you know he kind of he knew the whole point of him going on that thing was um, the whole point of him going on going going on the trip from uh, from Poland back to Spain is to um, 
Poland, Poland, wherever they start from. Yeah, they start uh, back, Poland, yeah. Back, 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 back to Spain was, 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 was because Stephen liked Eloisa. First hotel they stop at, Bunny Shags. Exactly. You know, yeah. and it, 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 it's, it's just like, yeah, it's, you know, he, 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 will, he will walk over anybody and everything to get what he wants out yeah. of life. Yeah, um, people are just expendable. It's, it's kind of the whole dynamic of what it's, you start to feel for Stephen at that point. He's like the reality of living with somebody like that or experiencing a, a situation where you, you're with that person day in, day out. Absolutely, yeah. And I think they handled that brilliantly. Yeah, they really do. It, it, I mean, that, that's talking about the characters. Let's let's go into how the film looks and okay. how it is. It, it is all put together because there is a fantastic arts and crafts theme throughout this. You know, the backgrounds, the, the props, the way the scenery moves, everything about it is... It's it's all put together in this sort of makeshifty way that couldn't have took you know it looks like it's pieced together and it's a shoestring but something on that scale has got to be you know, you know it's it's incredibly yeah yeah it's incredibly well done from the guys from Mighty Bruce you wouldn't expect nothing less you know all 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 three of them uh, or four of them or you know, three of them three of them are in this film you know they they all have that sort of makeshift element to them and they're bringing that to this it's, it's so over stylized but in a very understated way if that makes sense you know i think when you said it uh, i didn't realize until you said earlier that it cost under a million to make uh, and that makes perfect sense now it's almost you know there clearly was no budget to the film but it's it's almost like that's not going to stop us absolutely yeah just because we haven't got money we're still going to get to spain we're still going to get to poland we're still going to go take you on this trip around europe we're just going to do it in our way Mm, I mean, <laughs> and that that adds something to the film. Really, yeah. it it's it's brilliant because you're in somebody's memory, and no matter how you remember something, it's never perfect. So that's sort of what yeah. they're playing on. And mm. you know, I didn't feel like I wasn't in Poland with them. I didn't feel like I wasn't in Switzerland with them. No, it, obviously, no. it's just this unrealistic, you know, or overrealistic yeah. version of it. And it was just so well put together. It, it was almost like theatre. It's almost like. It's almost like you're watching a filmed version of theatre because, you know, you're watching a theatre show and they've moved the sets in and there are obviously cardboard cutouts and things, but it it just felt like they were doing that. I mean, that, that's that's all the, the sets and, I mean, the, the camera work is, is you know, it's, it's, it's oh, I don't want to say workmanlike, but it's, it's just very steady, it's very well pieced together, it's very, you know, the editing is really good in it. I mean, the, the characters are, Stephen, oh, sorry, Simon Farnaby as, as Bunny is is brilliant and he's brilliant in pretty much everything i've ever seen him in is simon farnaby and he's brilliant as this narcissistic you know um like you say treading anybody's neck he, he plays that role with such gusto and believability in this unrealistic you know in this in this hyper realistic mm. film he brings real believability to that well, character it's, it's, it's like you say, um, you said about how, you know, people know relationships like people have seen people in relationships like uh, uh, Stephen and Bunnies. Everybody has met a bunny at some point in their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stephen as well, you know, um, Stephen Turnbull, uh, Ed, Edward Hogg. He, he does this fantastic job of being sort of mousy and reclusive in the shadow of Bunny, and that's that's their relationship. I mean, the, the film lives and dies on their relationship, and I believed every single beat of it, if I'm honest. I believe mm. that these pair, and you don't need the history of them, they just are who they are. And yeah. they're, and and Paul King is relying on your your own experience to to know these characters, and you do. 
And in the first 10, 10 minutes of meeting these characters, you know exactly who they are, you know exactly what they're about. And I love that about this film. You know, there's, it, it held your hand when you needed it and it just let you go and have an explore when you didn't. And it was brilliant mm. that way. I mean, all the cameos are fantastic. AORD, Julian Barrett, Noel Fielding, they're all fantastic, as, as you'd expect. They're all playing these, you know, send-up of characters and they're all doing it with, you know, massive aplomb. And <laughs> you wouldn't expect anything less. You know, these, these guys are, are great at their craft. Um, is there anything you'd like to add there, Neil? Not really, no. I think we've, uh, yeah, I mean, character-wise, I, I kind of uh, mentioned earlier about the um, the narcissistic side of, of Bundy, and, yeah, it's, um, I think, yeah, kind of having the um, the cameos from the uh, Mighty Boosh cast works really well. It's, 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 if they had too much to do, it would have, they'd have taken over. I think it's, mm. that's not what the film's about. Yeah, the film it, is about the relationship between Stephen yeah. and Bunny. Bunny. Bunny and Stephen have got this tension and the cameos coming at the right time to dissolve that tension a little bit so you're not yes. always at odds with them. You, 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 they're bringing an outside character to, to ease that bit of tension or create more in the case of Eloisa. Eloisa comes in and creates more tension and the cameos sort of dissolve it a little bit more. And at times they... They lend to their relationship, and you understand why they are friends. It's like it's, it's a very serious film that's tackling a lot of deep concepts, but it's it sold to you. It's it, it sold to you in a very palatable way through through these comedy characters. Absolutely, you kind of like. Am I watching a serious film? Am I watching a comedy? Am I watching a you know a really dark satire on mental health? And it. it all, all of the above. Right, I, th- I think we're all spent on that, mate, so there's only one thing left to do, and that's the verdict. Neil, is this worth the pound I paid for it? Well, it's, it's interesting, um, because um, I absolutely love this film. I think um, the IMDb and the Rotten Tomatoes ratings don't give it justice. I think it's one of the most intriguing films I've ever watched. Would I go out and wait, watch it again? Probably not. Um, so from that point of view, I wouldn't want to own it on DVD particularly, so would I pay a pound to own it? Well, the thing is, um, when you first mentioned it to me, Wayne, I actually looked up um, whether it was available on any of the streaming services, and I found it to rent on Amazon Prime. It was three ninety nine to rent for 48 <laughs> hours. So, um, but, but, you know, by, 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 by that sort of uh, rationale, yes, it was definitely worth a pound. I'd rather pay a pound to own it than three ninety nine to rent it. Yeah, I mean, this is episode But it's, it's, not, it's not a film I'd go out and wait to, to watch again, but it, it was brilliant. Mm, I mean, this is, it's one of those little oddity films that you can say you've watched. And, you know, I'd never heard of this film when I picked it up. I had no idea. I just saw that it was Simon Farnaby, and I like Simon Farnaby. It's a little English, quirky film. Whereas, like uh, I mentioned with Nail and I earlier, I could watch that film again and again (laughs) and again. I absolutely love that film. It it didn't have that. It was kind of like, I think because of the darkness in it, really, Mm. because it got so dark, it was very much like, right... Glad I've seen that. Don't know how I've really. Don't know how it's made me feel, but it was a brilliant film. I'm, I'm going the other way. I, I really enjoyed this film, and I think this may be the best pound I've spent in the uh, in the eight episodes I've done. I, I, I really enjoyed this film. It's brilliantly pieced together, and it's well worth the pound uh, by a long way. So that's my verdict on it. Oh, anyway. definitely. Yeah, it's, it's worth a pound. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, we are at the end now. Please like and follow the podcast on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find the One Pound Movie podcast list on Letterboxd. So you'll find out all the films we're watching there as we watch them. I will put them up onto that list. If you're not sure what Letterboxd is, it's a brilliant little film logging website 
website that when you watch a film you can just log it so in a year's time you can go back and go oh yeah I've seen that film or you'll, you look back at films you forgot you've seen because they're so bad or just because it's been a year really good website really really um, handy little thing just to keep track of your films like I say follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the end of this season which is 20 episodes I'll be giving away uh, oh sorry all of these DVDs all 20 of them so uh, keep a listen out for that on Facebook and whatnot. if you listen to this in 5 years time don't bother entering because they'll all be gone so don't do it then and I just want to say thanks to Neil thanks so much for, for joining me mate yeah, thanks for having me it's been good brilliant and uh, yeah come back and uh, have a listen uh, next time round thank you very much bye bye bye